Hello, T-West family and friends. Thank you for tuning in to the T-West podcast, where we take time to refocus, refresh, and reflect on God's word and practical ways to apply it to our lives. My name is Marisha, and this week we will be listening to a devotion by Pastor DeBlair Snell. Hope you're blessed. So I want to just kind of speak to anybody that in the times past or presently or in the future will undergo a spiritual attack. I want to just encourage us in the Lord tonight. Second Kings chapter six and verse number eight, the Bible says, now the king of Syria was making war against Israel and he consulted with his servants saying, my camp will be in such and such a place. And the man of God sent to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him, and he was watchful there, not just once or twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing. And he called his servants and said unto them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of the servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet, who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words you speak in your bedroom. So he said, Go and see where he is, that we may send and get him. And it was told him, saying, Surely he is in Dothan. Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servants of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servants said unto him, Alas, master, what shall we do? And so he answered and said, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So when the Syrians had came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, strike this people, I pray, with blindness. And he struck them with blindness, according to the word of Elisha. Now Elisha said unto them, This is not the way, nor is this the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. But he led them instead to Samaria. And so it was when they had come to Samaria that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw. And there they were inside Samaria. And now when the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, My father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? But he answered, You shall not kill them. Would you kill those whom you have taken captive with your sword and your bow? 
set food and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. Then he prepared a great feast for them. And after they ate and drank, they sent them away to their master. And so the bands of the Syrian raiders came no more into the land of Israel. But for emphasis, I want to read again, verse 16. And he answered, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Tonight, saints, I want to talk for a little while under the subject, it's not as bad as it looks. It's not as bad as it looks. Let's pray together. Father, in this moment, I'm okay acknowledging that without you, I can do absolutely nothing. And so, Father, I pray that in this hour, you would permit me to join my human weakness, my frailty to your divine strength. And so, Lord, as the word of God is being declared, I pray that you would hide me in the shadows of the cross, that Jesus alone might be seen, that Christ alone would be heard, and that Jesus alone might be praised. So, Father, bless us to this end is our prayer. We ask it in Jesus' name. Let the people of God say together, amen and amen. This story, saints, is actually one of the more powerful narratives in the entirety of Scripture. And what makes it powerful is that realities that are normally hidden become obvious and visible for us to see. You see, the prophet Elisha here has gotten on the wrong side of the king of Syria. God has used Elisha on a number of occasions to foil the plans of the Syrian king against the king of Israel. And so in frustration, the king of Syria actually puts a hit out on Elisha. He sends an entire army down to Dothan to track down the prophet with the orders to bring him back dead or alive. And so one morning, the, Elisha's servant goes out in the morning, and to his chagrin, he is surrounded by an army of Syrian soldiers that have very hostile intentions. And so in panic and distress, he runs back into Elisha with a message of doom and despair because he simply can't see with his eyes how they will make it out of this one. And what is powerful about this story is that Elisha's demeanor is not congruent with his situation. You see, the man of God is not frightened. He is not panicked. He is not afraid. In fact, he is poised and calm. He is steady. In fact, his first obligation is to calm down his servant. He lets his servant know to just relax and calm down. Fall back, my man, because those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And let me just pause to say this, saints, that when you truly know where your help comes from, you take bad news better than the average man. And that's not to say as believers we never ever get rattled, but the truth is that when you've seen God work, you refuse to become anxious, you're not evilly, easily overwhelmed, you refuse to panic because you understand that just because the weapon is formed doesn't mean it's going to be permitted to prosper. You see, when you've seen the Lord work, God allows you to sleep through the things that keep everybody else awake all night. 
When you've seen God work, you're able to focus when others are freaking out. When you've seen God work, you can pray for your enemies while others are plotting their revenge. When you've seen God work, you're able to be still when other folk are frantic. And I want to know, do I have at least 10 saints in this room that know that you can rest in any storm when you've seen God work? Can you say amen tonight? Uh, as a pastor, I fly a good bit uh, taking uh, the gospel wherever it needs to go. And because churches are usually bringing me, they're trying to save money. And so I usually wind up in that very last seat on the airplane next to the bathroom. And it's okay because I usually am somewhat close to the flight attendants. And so I remember I was on one flight where we were going through a very serious storm. In fact, this storm was so great that there were actually extreme drops in elevation and the plane actually began to lose some cabin pressure. And I don't usually get nervous on flights, but this storm was so great that I was a little bit more prayerful than I normally am, Sister Wanda. And, and, and the only thing that helped me out on this flight was that when I looked over at the flight attendant, guess what? She wasn't nervous. She wasn't even looking up. She just kept on playing the game on her phone. And so I reached out into her and I asked, I said, I know you have to stay calm for the sake of those of us who are on the flight, but when the storm get this bad, you've got to get a little bit nervous. And so she replied to me in confidence and she expressed confidence or belief in her pilot. She says, normally I would be a little afraid, but I've been flying with this pilot so long that I don't get nervous in a storm because I've seen him bring us through worse. And I just need to know, are there any saints that can rejoice in the room because you've been flying with Jesus so long that you don't get nervous because of a storm because you've seen him bring you through worse. And so tonight, I want us to look, as we look at this spiritual battle, going back in the Word of God to verse number 8. The Bible says here in 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 8, the Bible says, Now the king of Syria was making war against Israel, and he consulted with his servants, saying, My camp will be in such and such a place. And the man of God would send to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. Now, I love this story because one of the things that is clear here is that God in this story is fighting for the children of Israel. In fact, he is fighting for them in such a way that whenever the king of Syria would set an ambush or a trap along a certain route or a certain path, God would whisper to Elisha where the trap is going to be set. And then Elisha would tell the Syrian king so that the children of Israel can avoid those places. And so when Whenever the king of Israel sent down a spy to check out the land, he would always come back with the report that what Elisha told him was actually the truth. And let me pause and say this, beloved, that when God fights for you, God will actually show you where the attacks are coming from before the attacks ever even show up. And so the reason God now shows them the position of the attacks is so that he can warn them. In other words, he's saying, don't go down that location. Don't go down that path because my protection won't be following you there. In other words, the way I'm going to protect you in this battle is by keeping you out of the positions where the ambush is going to be set up. In other words, if you meander down that road on your own, 
I need you to know that my protection won't follow you in certain places. And let me suggest tonight, saints, that sometimes, number one, we can lose spiritual battles because of the positions we put ourselves in. You see, there is a difficult truth that emerges here, that even when God is on our side, we can lose certain battles because of the positions we place ourselves in. And the truth is, beloved, that God is able to fight anywhere, but he chooses not to fight everywhere. You see, in this great controversy, he recognizes that Satan is the prince of this world. And as the people of God, we always have the upper hand when we walk in the steps that have been ordered by the Lord, but we make ourselves vulnerable when we try and fight behind enemy lines. Can you say amen? And see, there are times, beloved, where we get frustrated with God when we are dealt a severe blow or we lose certain battles. And sometimes we wonder why it is that God didn't cover us when we ought to be asking whether or not we walk from underneath the covering that God had provided. See, see let me say it this way. I, I remember just a few weeks ago, my kids and I were getting ready to go to the library, and, and I got three kids under the age of eight years old. And, and so this day, it was a little cloudy, and so we were anticipating rain, so I took my umbrella. And so as we got out to the library, it was pouring down cats and dogs, raining. And so what I did was I opened up my umbrella. Now, you know that the circumference of the umbrella only covers a couple of feet on each side. But as we get out into this open field, you know how little kids are. They always want to run out and have their own independence. But the crazy thing about my kids is that they would run from underneath the covering and then complain that they were getting wet in the rain. And, and so I had to sit down and explain to them that kids, you cannot be that far away from your daddy and still be underneath the covering that I'm holding. And the question is, could it be the reason that the rain is falling on us? The reason being that we're not being covered by God is because we're too far away from our Father. And I need us to understand that you cannot have God's covering and your personal independence at the same time. You cannot have his covering without his presence. Can the church say amen? And what I'm suggesting to the saints is that sometimes we can lose the covering and protection of God simply because of the positions that we put ourselves in. And see, there's a very powerful truth that is very relevant for us tonight. Because one of the things that the Bible does not give us, it does not give us the exact location of where the traps are going to be placed. But all the scholars are actually in concert uh, on this idea that the king of Syria is going to place the traps along the routes that Israel would commonly traverse. In other words, their enemy is going to try to trap them in the places that are most familiar to them. And can I pause to say this, beloved, that sometimes the enemy of our souls is not going to always place an ambush in a foreign land. Sometimes he's going to place the ambush in the places that are most familiar to us. You see, the truth is that we're not most vulnerable in foreign terrain. When we're in a foreign place, we tend to be more alert and a little bit more prayerful. But sometimes we let our guard down whenever we're in a familiar situation. In fact, sometimes it is the lover that you've got 
gotten familiar with that's the hardest to walk away from. Sometimes it's the friends that you've gotten familiar with that bring you down the most. Sometimes it is that place that you're familiar with that corrupts you most often. And sometimes, like the children of Israel, we've got to be willing to take a different road. We've got to be willing to go down a different path or we will get trapped by the things that we've gotten used to. And see, this is why, beloved, we've got to be very prayerful about every step that we take, about every move that we make, because God fights on the paths that he chooses, not on the paths that we choose for ourselves. And see, this is why, beloved, as we grow spiritually, we've got to get much better at learning how to detect the presence of an ambush. Can you say amen? I need some young person to understand that if it's your goal not to drink, you can't go into a place where everybody has to drink in order to have a good time. I need you to know it's an ambush there. I need you to understand that the shady business deal that's too good to be true is nothing but an ambush. I need you to know that the innocent work lunch with the lady who is not your spouse is sometimes an ambush. I need the young adult to understand that the invitation to watch movies after midnight is nothing but an ambush. And sometimes we get discouraged because we are defeated when the truth is we've just walked down the wrong road. Can somebody say amen tonight? And I want us to understand the good news is that even though we walk down wrong roads from time to time, I am just thankful to the God of heaven that he doesn't give up on us when we walk down the wrong path. Mm. Let me say it this way. Uh, just this day, uh, earlier today, I went down to, uh, I think it was called Capitola Beach around the corner. And, and, and when I got to the beach and I got ready to leave, I put in the GPS how to get back to my hotel. Uh, and the thing about the GPS is that it's going to kind of mark out the shortest route from point A to point B. Uh, and it'll tell you to turn left and to turn right. Uh, but the problem was that as I was driving down the coastline, I saw some more beautiful scenery that I wanted to check out a little bit more. And so what happened is I began to ignore the directions of my GPS. And the amazing thing is that it would tell me to turn left, but I would keep going straight. It would tell me to turn right, but I would keep going the right the wrong way. It would tell me to turn around, but I would keep going in a certain direction. But the funny thing about the GPS is that even though I was going down the wrong road, she would never just say, I'm done with you. She would never just say, I'm done. She would never just say, get there on your own. What the GPS does is it never gives up. It'll just begin to recalculate and retriangulate your location so that at the moment I begin to obey, it'll get me to my destiny from where I am. Can we rejoice tonight that God is better than a GPS? He'll tell us when to turn around, but if we keep going the wrong way, he doesn't throw his hands up on us. He doesn't wave the white flag. He just reorders your steps. He'll reorganize your path. It may take you a little longer to get there, but I thank God some of us made it back to church anyhow. What do you say? Thank you for tuning in to the T-West podcast, where we take time to refocus, refresh, and reflect. Before you go, let's meditate on this song, Our God by Jonathan Nelson. Let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, Thank you so much for this message. Help us always to remember to put our trust in you, no matter what. Help us to continue to be faithful and to continue to serve you. 
Help our faith in you to grow each and every single day. Thank you for all the sacrifices you've made for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We hope you're blessed and we'll connect with you next week.